It's so good to be with all of you this morning. Well, I just want to take a minute and I would love to welcome all of our first time guests in the room. Come on, church, can we give up for our first time guests in the room? I also want to welcome our global XFAM tuning in all over the United States and around the world. Come on, can we make some noise for our global XFAM? as we get ready to hop into the message today. Listen, if I haven't had a chance to meet you, my name is Zach. I'm one of the pastors on the team here. Really, it is the joy of my life to have an opportunity to work here, to be a part of this staff and this time and this place. I was born and raised in Canal Winchester, grew up here, graduated from Canal Winchester High School. And so it's really special. Yeah, we got some Canal grads in the room. That's what I'm talking about. Uh, and so it's real special for me to have an opportunity uh, to pastor and live in this town in this season in this time. But hey, before I jump uh, into the message today, I just want to take a minute and I want to say, you know, I'm not the lead pastor, okay? So if you don't enjoy the word that I have today, you can always just come back next week and hear from Pastor Tim. Uh, and I just want to take a minute and I want to honor uh, the leader and the communicator that Pastor Tim is. I think every week it's really easy. Yeah, we can give it up for him. I think every week it's really easy for us to get used to greatness, and so I think it just can become normal. So uh, I just want to say thank you, Pastor Tim, uh, for who you are, for the leader you are, the communicator you are. It means the world to me that you are here. So I mentioned that I'm one of the pastors on the team here, okay, and I have the uh, privilege of being the Connections Pastor, and if you don't know what that is, it's a real big fancy term for basically uh, just saying that I love to connect with people. Like, I love people. I'm a people person. It's who I am. It's the core of who I am, and so if I haven't had a chance to meet you, I would love to meet you in the foyer afterwards. If I haven't had a chance to, well, connect with you, I would love the opportunity to connect with you in the foyer uh, right after this experience. So I'm so excited to uh, bring the word today. Now listen, I just want to say this. If you're really superstitious, okay, you might want to start praying now because the last time that I had the opportunity to preach, it was March 8th. 2020, y'all remember what happened March 15th, 2020, uh, the whole world shut down with coronavirus and we went online for online church for what seemed like, like an entire year. And so I just want to say Delta variant is in the air, uh, cases are out. I'm just saying maybe next week we're not going to be here. <laughs> Someone's like, you should all see your faces right now. You're like, no, we're speaking against that in Jesus' name. No, I hope that doesn't happen to us today. But hey, listen, I hope that um, God will speak to your soul today. I believe that I have a word that hopefully will inspire you uh, and inspire you to look at life a little differently. Will you bow your head and pray with me this morning? Heavenly Father, Lord, we're so thankful for who you are and for what you're doing. And Lord, I just pray that you would begin to um, open up our eyes to what you want to speak to us today. I pray that you would open up our eyes to your word and I pray that it would touch our lives in a meaningful way. And everybody said, amen, amen. Hey, real quick, I just wanted to mention too, some of you are like, hey, he's the Connections Pastor, but I haven't seen him uh, around the last couple of weeks. And there's a good reason for why you haven't seen me around. Uh, my wife and I have taken some time and we've taken the last several weeks to welcome the birth of our brand new baby girl into our family, into our lives. Little Miss Oakley Joe made her appearance in the Brown family on July 15th uh, of this past month. And I brought a picture. Y'all want to see a picture? Raise your hand if you want to see a picture. Man, everyone wants to see a picture. Can we put the picture up on the screen? Aww. 
Would you look at that? That's so good, isn't it? It's so good. Yeah, I got claps and cheers for that. That's what I'm talking about. Don't clap for me, clap for them. You see Charlie, our four-year-old, uh, Charlie Brown. Yes, we did that to her uh, with the blonde hair there. And then you have Lily, who's three years old. Uh, and yes, she's got all the spunk that comes with a redhead. If you've met Lily, you probably remember Lily. Uh, you've had some sort of encounter with her. Yes, I can see some of the kids, uh, servant leaders nodding their heads there. Then, of course, we've got Oakley Joe. And if you're wondering, uh, we do have our very own Brown family version of Neapolitan ice cream and all of their hair colors uh, that we got going on there. We've got uh, blonde and a redhead and a dark-haired girl, so maybe that will continue on for the rest of your life. But really, I love my family. They are the joy of my life, and they mean the world to me. So I have a question for you. Uh, have you ever had a dream that felt so real that you didn't know the difference between reality and the dream? Has anyone ever experienced that before? Raise your hand. Okay, so I want to tell you about a moment in my life where I experienced that. So I was 10 years old. I mentioned growing up in Canal Winchester. Okay, we had just moved into our home, and we were doing Friday night family and movie night. Anyone remember doing movie nights in your family growing up? So we were doing movie night, and the movie that my parents had picked out for us to watch was E.T. Who's seen the movie E.T.? Remember the movie E.T.? Love that movie? Uh, people are like, okay, see, it's, I think it's a little overrated, but hey, that's just my opinion. Love Steven Spielberg, love John Williams, but a little overrated. Anyways, it's the movie where the kid's flying through the alien and the bicycle through the air. So special effects weren't as good uh, in those days as what they are now. And if you can remember in your mind what E.T. looked like. Can we just say, like, he looked a little weird, didn't he? Like, he looked a little funky, and he had that long neck, and uh, that glowing finger that he had going on there, and the buggy eyes. Like, he, he looked a little weird, okay? And we watched the movie, and I remember going to bed, and I was a little scared of E.T., I'm not gonna lie. He made me a little nervous. Um, and so I asked, I asked my mom, I said, hey, can, can you just leave the door open and can I just uh, go to sleep with the, the hall light on? And so she said yes. And I went to sleep and I remember waking up and you know that moment when you wake up and you know you're dreaming, but you just can't tell. And like instantly you're aware of all of your surroundings and, and like what's going on around you. And so I was there sitting in my bed and then I start to hear something shuffling down the hallway, okay, and I start to see a shadow coming down the hallway, and I'm like, okay, I know that there's a murderer on the other side of that door who's coming to kill me, and instantly, like, I'm gripping the bed, and I'm like, like, I, I feel like I'm about to wet the bed. It's not good, and so into my room walks E.T., and where I'm sitting, so my bed is against the uh, wall, and my uh, foot of my bed is facing the door. And so E.T. walks into the room. You can probably guess where this is going. So he comes into my room, and I'm there, and I'm, like, terrified, and this, like, this apparition is in my face, and I'm so nervous, and it's so scary. And he just stops, and it's like, it feels like an eternity in a dream, and it's like, you want to scream, you know that feeling when you want to scream in your dream, and you're like, and nothing's coming out. That, that's what that was me. And E.T. just looks at me, and he does the thing where uh, he raises his finger, and it starts to glow, and he looks at me, and he says, E.T. phone home. 
and I just go screaming. Like I wake up instantly, I run to my mama's bed, I jump in between my uh, father and my mother. Now granted, I was not a small 10 year old, okay? Uh, I was not a small 10 year old, I've been big my entire life. And so parents, can you imagine your giant 10 year old jumping in between both of you as you're sleeping? That was the experience from my mother and father. Um, I was all this stream and I have to be honest, I spent the rest of my night in their bed uh, as a 10 year old because I was afraid of ET. And if I'm being extra honest today because we're in church, uh, it wasn't just that night I spent in their bed, it was the couple nights after that. <laughs> Listen, today I wanna talk about a dream, but I'm not talking about physical dreams of uh, little aliens or anything like that. I'm talking about a, a dream that I think we all carry inside each and every one of us, a, a dream in our heart uh, to live a life of purpose or a life of meaning. I mean, how many of you today would, would say, hey, I want to make a difference with my life? I think this is something that is part of the shared human experience. We all wanna make a difference in our lives and with what we do, okay? But here's what I know, that there's often this tension or this gap that exists between the life that we have uh, and the life that we are actually seeking. And so maybe as you're here today and I start talking about dreams and meanings and purpose and all that stuff, you, you immediately think back to uh, what you wanted to do when maybe you graduated high school or maybe when you graduated college, you had a dream to start a nonprofit or you had a dream to adopt a child or maybe you had a dream that you were gonna find the perfect spouse and raise perfect kids and it was all gonna work out or you had a dream career that you wanted to step into to. Uh, and then here's what I know happens. Inevitably, uh, you step into those things or you encounter those things uh, and it's not what it seems. Or maybe you set off to achieve something and then your life takes a complete left turn because life, like it just happens. And we find ourselves in a place where we're not where we thought we would be. Can anyone relate to that this morning? Can anyone relate to me this morning? Listen, I think that there's something we can learn about this tension that comes from the life of Paul. We've been in the middle of this series called Unstoppable. In the last several weeks, we've been kind of following the journey of Paul as he begins to plant churches and really do incredible things in the life of the early church. And I think there's something in Paul's life that we can learn this morning. So if you have your Bible or your electronic device, will you open it up, will you turn to me to Acts chapter 20, verse 17. Acts 20, verse 17, I'll give you a minute to get there. Now listen, if there's anyone who lived a life of purpose and meaning, it was Paul, right? Like can we all just agree that Paul lived a life of meaning and purpose? I mean, he wrote like two thirds of the New Testament. He started church after church after church. Many of his teachings we still talk about today. So if there's anyone who had figured this whole life of purpose thing out, it was Paul. And so here we have Paul. He's getting ready to wrap up one of his missionary journeys, and he kind of gathers some of the elders of the churches he had planted, and he's going to see them for one last time in person. And so he gathers them up, and he says this to them. From Miletus, Paul sent to Ephesus for the elders of the church. When they arrived, he said to them, you know how I lived the whole time I was with you. From the first day I came into the province of Asia, I served the Lord with great humility and with tears and in the midst of severe testing by the plots of my Jewish opponents. 
You know that I've not hesitated to preach anything that would be helpful to you, but I've taught you publicly and from house to house. I have declared to both Jews and Greeks that they must turn to God in repentance and have faith in our Lord Jesus. Okay, so we have Paul. He gathers up the elders of the church. He's recapping them. He, he's saying, hey, you watched how I live. You saw how I operated. You know I served the Lord. You know that I went from place to place preaching the good news about Jesus Christ. You saw me fulfill my purpose. And then he goes on to say this. And now, compelled by the Spirit, I am going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. I only know that in every city the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. And then this is our key verse. Paul says, however, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task that the Lord Jesus has given me. Man, Paul had it figured out, didn't he? Paul had it figured out. He had a life of purpose and he had a life of meaning and he had all the power and, and he knew what he was doing. He knew where he was going in our life. But I think today there's many of us here in this room where uh, we've started off on this journey. We've started this race of life and we find ourselves at a crossroads where it's like, hey, I, I really don't know what I want to do with the rest of my life where I feel like my life doesn't have uh, much purpose or meaning. I might be actually successful in my career. I might actually be doing something, but I feel like there's no meaning. Listen, I, I think we all feel this or have felt this at some point in our life. I know that I have felt this before in my life. I mentioned that I graduated from Canal High School, and when I graduated from Canal High School, all I wanted to do, like the vision for my life was that I was going to go to uh, college, I was going to play college football, and I was going to be a high school history teacher and coach football. Uh, how stereotypical is that, right? Be a high school history teacher and coach football. I mean, that is like the stereotype for all high school um, football coaches, okay? So I was lucky enough, I was blessed enough to be able to go to college and play football on a full-ride scholarship. It was awesome. It was great. Uh, I remember going and scheduling my classes. I was jumping into my education classes. I still love history, by the way. It's still incredible. Uh, we can learn a lot from our past, okay? And football was going amazing. Uh, I had redshirted my freshman year, but I was on track to have an opportunity to play the next four years, to be a four-year player, uh, to have experience. Uh, there were guys on my team who actually ended up going on to the NFL. And so I was, I was really successful in where I was going with my life. In fact, if I had continued on the journey, the, the, the train tracks of my life that I had set up, I would say that I was moving towards everything that I wanted to accomplish in my life. Yet when it came time to go back to college for my sophomore year, I remember this feeling of incredible purposelessness. I remember feeling like I didn't have any meaning. Like I was excited to go back, but at the same time, I didn't feel like my future was there. And I think we all have, again, felt that before in our life. Maybe you had a dream that you were going to grow up and you were going to be a social worker, okay? And you had this vision that you were going to go and you were going to reunite families together and you were going to be that person who, who brought about positive change for families. And then you actually start the career and you realize uh, that uh, the system is broken and it's really hard to actually connect people together. And there's a lot of brokenness that exists in our world. 
uh, maybe you pictured being a, uh, someone who was going to find their spouse and was going to live a happy life. You were going to retire at the age of 45 and you were going to start uh, that Instagram blog that all of us, that made all of us really jealous about the life you're going to be leading and traveling all over the place. Uh, and then uh, you find the person and you realize that they're not uh, the right person and you find out real quick how hard marriage can actually be. Here's what I know. I think we all dream about our life of purpose in the future, but most of us are living in the reality of today. We've all dreamt about the life of purpose that we're going to lead, but we're living in the reality of day. You see, there's this tension. There's this gap that exists, and I think that all of us have felt it. And so I think there's this question that kind of comes from this gap, this tension that we feel, and I want to ask it today. So the question is, is how do you move out of your gap? How do you move out of your gap? I think we can learn the answer from Paul today. I really think we can. Hey, so go to your Bible. There's a couple verses before, okay? And you see Paul in chapter 20, verse 18. I think Paul kind of gives us something that if we clue into, it might be able to help us understand how we can move out of our gap. Paul says this, he said, when they arrived, he said to them, you know how I lived the whole time I was with you. I served the Lord with great humility and with tears and in the midst of severe testing by the plots of my opponents. Paul says, you know how I lived. You watched me work. I served the Lord. You know how I lived every single day. I was intentional with my life every single day. You know, somehow I just, I don't picture Paul just waking up on a Saturday morning and saying, hey, you know what? I'm just going to mail it in today and today's a pajama day and I'm just going to sit around and watch Netflix all day. Like, I just don't think Paul probably thought that way. He was hardwired that way. And all the people who are like, you know, that was me yesterday. I just feel really bad about yourselves. I'm not hating on that. If you did that, it's okay. Uh, or, you know, some, I don't picture Paul saying, Hey, today, you know what? I'm just going to go indulge and I'm going to go from brunch place to lunch place to dinner place. And I'm going to Instagram food blog the whole thing, every single way that we go. Now, Pastor Russ likes to uh, go about and doing that. Uh, and so it's okay. I love that you do it because it gives me all sorts of good ideas about where to go eat. But somehow I, I think Paul understood this principle about life. And it's something I want to highlight and show to you. Paul understood that we're all seeking after a purpose. We all want to live a life of meaning, right? And I think so many of us are searching for purpose. And I want to say to you today that what if it's not about necessarily the purpose that you seek, but it's about the choices that you make. It's not about the purpose you seek, but it's about the choices you make. Or rather, your future purpose is a direct result of the person that you are becoming. I think so many of us walk through life and we're waiting for God to drop this cosmic lightning bolt of meaning and purpose into our life. And we say, God, would you tell me what to do? And we just sit there and we cry out and we wait. And inevitably, nothing happens. Nothing happens. And I think, what if God is actually waiting on us to begin to step into our purpose. What if God is actually waiting on us? God looks at you and says, I already gave you a purpose. I knew when you were being formed in your mother's womb, I set you a purpose. I gave you a future. I gave you a destiny. What if the answer exists inside of you and God's just waiting for you to take a step and discover what that actually is? 
so I brought something because I think this is a really important point, this whole concept or idea that um, who you are becoming helps actually you discover your purposes. So I brought something to help kind of illustrate this point. And I mentioned earlier that I had the opportunity to play football in college, okay? Now, I love football. Football is like my life. Raise your hand if you love football. Raise your hand. Oh, yeah, hands all over the room. Man, there's something about when it gets to August, like my blood begins to boil. And it's like, man, I'm ready to go. Like, I feel like I, if someone was up here right now, I feel like I'd just headbutt you and uh, we'd be ready to go. I just, it's my thing. I love it. Uh, by the way, uh, super excited for the Browns. Any Browns fans in the house? Yes, that's right. Browns, Super Bowl. I'm declaring it now. It's going to happen. I have faith. It's going to happen. Okay. So for my illustration, uh, I said I play football in college. Now, on the count of three, I want you to shout at me what position you think I played when I played in college. I want you to shout at me what position you think I played. Okay, you ready? One, two, three, go. <laughs> I heard quarterback. <laughs> I heard running back. Someone said kicker. You said kicker? You think I look like a kicker? I, I'm not a kicker. I promise you. That was not me. No, I played offensive line. Come on. Can we give it up for the big uglies? Come on. I'm going to shed some light on the big uglies. All you people, all ESPN wants to talk about is the quarterbacks and the running backs and all them fancy people. And if you know football, you know all that really matters is the big uglies up front. They're the ones who actually get the job done. Can I get an Amen. That's right, you all know your football. That's what I'm talking about. So in college, I played center. So I'm gonna put my football down here and uh, my imaginary line of scrimmage. Now, how many of you know the most important thing a center can do every single play is what? Block, uh, get ready. Uh, yes, someone said it. The most important thing a center can do every single play is snap the football. Football play doesn't happen unless you first snap the football. Now, that's not the only thing a center does, by the way. Uh, you know, so I would walk up to the line, and the center is the one responsible for looking out and reading the linebackers and calling out 43, 43, 52. Or he'd work with his offensive line and call out the, the, the blocks. Hey, tackle, that's a G block down to the Mike linebacker over there. We'd work, Pastor Russ clearly knows what I'm talking about and all these things. Uh, so we'd work, we'd make calls. Uh, and I'd work with my quarterback to make sure that the protections and the run schemes were set up in the same way. So it's not just that. So we snap the football. We do that. Uh, also, take a wild guess. Uh, what kind of person do you think the defense puts directly across from the center? Uh, uh, yeah, the biggest guy. It's not the smallest guy. They often put the guy who weighs like 340 pounds, who runs a 40-yard dash in like 4.7 seconds and can squat over 700 pounds. That's the guy that you have to like block uh, as you're snapping the football. It's, it's a hard job being a center. But the most important thing a center can do is snap the football. Now, there's a couple different types of snaps. You can snap the ball where the quarterback is under the center and snap it back to him. There's the shotgun snap. Uh, there's, you know, if you're uh, punting or kicking, there's a long snap. But every football play starts with a snap. And in a moment as a center, it's your job to bring this football through your legs, through to someone else, 
simultaneously at the same time get your body into position to stop this giant animal of a person who's coming at you trying to sack your quarterback. It's hard. What I'm trying to tell you is that it's hard. And so when I played every single day, you know what I would do to make sure I was ready? I would go out and I would practice my snap. And by the way, if you don't believe that a football snap is important, let's go back and watch the Browns in the playoffs last year where the Steelers center snapped the ball over Ben Roethlisberger's head and the Browns went on to score a touchdown and went on to defeat the Steelers by like a bajillion points and just end all the misery. A football snap is important. And so when I played, what I would do is I would go out every single day and I would work on my snap with my quarterback. I would work on that relationship. Uh, and you have to find out, okay, where he likes to stand. Okay, depending on how tall the quarterback is, like if you're doing a shotgun snap, you have to make sure the ball gets into a place where it comes right into his chest so he can take the ball and he can get ready to throw it quickly if you want to. It takes a lot of work is what I'm trying to say. And what do you think would happen if, let's say, for example, uh, one of you, let's say Pastor Russ, let's say you just decided to come up on here and said, hey, I got this. I can snap a football. I can do it. And you just out of nowhere just said, I can make it happen. What do you, what do you think would happen? You would destroy everyone on the field. <laughs> Somehow I don't think that would happen. <laughs> I love you. But, but no, I, I went out and I worked every single day. I worked, spent 15 minutes before and after every single practice, making the choice to make sure that me and the quarterback were on the same page and I practiced my craft so that when it came time for the game to actually happen, I could snap the football, do it every single time, and be ready to block my opponent. Do you see where I'm going with this today? So many of us, we're seeking after a purpose in our life, okay, and we're waiting for God to just drop this cosmic purpose into our lives, but we're not actually doing the little things that matter actually there to get us to our purpose. In my analogy, you're looking to score touchdowns. You're, you're looking for all the highlight moments in your life, but you're actually skipping out on the little work or the little things that you need, need to do every day to be successful in your life. Jesus had a lot to say about purpose and relationships as well. If you flip back in your Bible to John 15, I just want to highlight one quick verse where Jesus says this. He, he looked at his followers and he said, I am the vine and you are the branches. And if you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do what? You can do nothing. For Jesus, purpose meant fruitfulness. For Jesus, purpose meant fruitfulness. And did you catch what he said? He said, if you remain in me, if you stay in relationship with me, you can do all things. He said, apart from me, you can do nothing. Paul had figured this out. He was a master at following Jesus. Paul looked at the elders and he said, you know how I lived my life. You watched me every day I came to work. I brought my lunch pail. I did the right things. I served the Lord with humility. Maybe Jesus would say this today, that fruitfulness for tomorrow is based on faithfulness today. What are you doing to be faithful today? I think it's really hard for us to be faithful in our culture today. Is it not? I just think the whole current of our culture just pushes us away from a relationship with Jesus. Y'all feel that or is it just me? Y'all feel that? Okay, I think y'all feel that. Listen, it's hard to 
put into practice a relationship with Jesus when everything in our culture seeks to pull us away. Let me give you an example of what I'm talking about. So many of you are young parents, okay, and you have young kids. I get it. I've got three kids under the age of four, and it's everything you can do just to make sure your kids are ready for the day, that you get to work on time, you come home, you get dinner, you get them to bed, and it's everything you can do just to get 30 minutes to yourself, much less spend time with Jesus. Am I right? Uh, So many of us are distracted by the things of the world. We let things like social media or comparison or other things pull us away from the life that Jesus has actually called us to live. There's so many things in our culture that push us away. And we live in a culture where really it's just easy to say yes to everything. And everyone just says, hey, do what feels good. Do what feels right and all those things. And really what it does is pulls you away from Jesus. Here's what I know, that If we really want to make a difference in our lives, it starts by spending time with Jesus. Paul was really good at that. That's what Jesus said. But it's really, really hard. You know what I've discovered? That when you spend time with Jesus, all of a sudden your life begins to bear fruit. All of a sudden your boss or your coworker that drove you crazy okay, that would distract you from the things you're supposed to be doing in your life, all of a sudden, that person, you begin to have a little bit more love and patience for them. All of a sudden, your kids, whenever they're running around the house screaming and they're doing all sorts of crazy things, you begin to uh, love them a little bit more and you see them for who they are and you appreciate them, even though sometimes they, they drive you nuts. When you begin to follow Jesus and you spend time with him every single day, you begin to move towards spiritual and emotional freedom in your life. All of these things begin to happen, and I would say that these things are what Jesus talks about when he said that if you remain in me, you're gonna begin to bear fruit. You do these things, you're gonna begin to step into the purpose that God has for your life. But it's hard. And so the question I want to ask today is, what kind of relationship are you cultivating with Jesus? Are you spending time with him? Because when you do, your life begins to bear fruit, and it's the fruit that gives you the future of purpose that you're looking for in your life. And so we have these distractions, we have these unhealthy habits that we've built in our lives, these things that distract us and pull us away from Jesus. There's got to be a way for us to train ourselves in the same way that I would go and I would train myself as a center to snap the football. There's got to be a way for us to train ourselves to think differently, to approach our relationship with Jesus differently. And the answer actually exists in something really, really old, and it's called the practices of Jesus. Or the insider lingo for this term, practices of Jesus, is really spiritual disciplines. Now, I say the word spiritual discipline, and immediately everyone goes, oh, he's just going to talk about reading the Bible, and he's going to talk about praying more. Hey, those things are great. They're awesome. Uh, you know, I believe in those things, and this, those things are spiritual disciplines. But here's what I know about the Bible. Uh, you can read it all you want, but if you never actually put it into practice, it's never going to make a difference in your life. Someone say amen. You can pray all you want, and a lot of us do. Uh, whenever we're looking for more love or patience or kindness or goodness in our life. And here's often how the prayer goes. Someone cuts you off on the way to work, and it's like, oh, God, just give me some more patience today. Like, I just need some more patience. I need some more of you in my life right now. 
that's like matrix theology. You know what I'm talking about? Where like Trinity says, hey, I need a pilot training program for a B-12 helicopter. Can you just download it? Got it. It'd be great if it worked like that for our kids, right? Hey, hey God, can you um, download some patience into my life? My kids are really being crazy. Got it. It doesn't work like that. All the parents say amen, right? Amen. We've all felt it. Listen, we begin to put these practices, these spiritual disciplines into our lives. And I'm telling you, you're going to start to become a different person. Can I say it this way? That you have a deep purpose and that purpose is formed by the person you're becoming, and the person you're becoming is formed by the practices that you're living. Hey, another example. Uh, maybe you've got some unhealthy addictions in your life, okay? Maybe you struggle with food or alcohol or pornography, or maybe you're that person who goes from relationship to relationship to relationship, and you're looking for something, but you can't find it. And the answer is found in these practices of Jesus. Now, now what am I talking about when I'm talking about spiritual disciplines? I talk about prayer. We talked about reading the Bible. But there's some other ones that I, I think we've kind of lost in our Western culture today. We've kind of lost these things. But I think they make all the difference in the world. So some of the things I'm talking about are like solitude and silence. Like spending time getting away and just cutting out all the noise so you can actually hear the voice of God. How many of you know that Jesus often, or the voice of God often comes in a still small voice? How can you hear from God if you're just surrounded by all sorts of noise in your life? Or maybe some of you need to start practicing this idea of Sabbath where you're going to slow down and intentionally say no to other things. We live in a hyper-performance-driven, achievement-based culture and society, and so maybe you're going to slow down and say no to some things in your life. Or maybe uh, a spiritual discipline that you need to bring into your life is dealing with your past. Because how many of you know that your past actually determines your future? And so many of us just walk around carrying the baggage of our past and we haven't actually done the good work to go and get rid of it and remove it in a healthy way so that the Holy Spirit can fill us up. Here's another one. Uh, We actually are doing it right now as a church. Uh, Fasting. Pastor Russ talked about it. Fasting is where you intentionally say no to the things you want so that you can ask God to come up and fill your life with the things of himself. And so maybe if you're like one of those real practical people in the room who like really need a step today, uh, maybe you've never done a fast before and you're kind of like, oh, they're doing another fast. That's not me. Maybe today you're going to say, no, today I am going to make a change and I am going to do something different tomorrow than what I would normally do. And so I'm going to participate in this fast. I just want to encourage you, man, you just never know what God can do in your life when you begin to actually pursue him. And we want to encourage you along the way when it comes to this fast. And so here's what I want everyone to do. Everyone take out your phone right now. Take out your phone. And if you want to participate in this fast, what I would love for you to do is text the word unstoppable to 94,000. Text the word unstoppable to 94,000. And what we're going to do, we're going to send you daily encouragement. We're going to send you some daily topics that you can be praying for, for your community. And we're going to help us all together kind of do this thing. We're going to do it as a community. We're going to do this fast together, and we're going to make a difference in our lives. And so these practices, these spiritual disciplines 
are the things that will help you build consistent rhythms in your life, which will help you cultivate a healthy relationship with Jesus. Now, I want to say one thing about uh, these spiritual disciplines before I move on and before I close today. Uh, So many of us think the power is in the practice. The power is in the practice. Listen, the power isn't in what you do, but the spiritual discipline, the practice of Jesus, what it does is it gives you access to the power. It gives you access to the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. When you begin to put into your life these healthy rhythms, these practices of Jesus, what it does is it allows the Holy Spirit to flow through you and it allows you to begin to make a change in your life. If you're like me, every time I start a new resolution or I start a a new year with declarations, it seems like I inevitably always fail when it comes to those things. Maybe you felt that way, okay? And so what I'm saying is that when we begin to put these practices of Jesus, which come from the life of Jesus into our life. It gives you access to the power of the Holy Spirit, which will help you change in your journey to become more like Jesus. And so we, as we close today, I just, I want to ask this question. What are you going to do about your gap? What are you going to do about your gap? Maybe you say, I'm successful in my career. I already have kind of figured it out. It's too late for me. Uh, The ship has sailed. I'm never going to live that life of meaning. Listen, can we just cut that toxic mindset out right now? Today, can we make a declaration over our lives that your life has purpose, it has meaning, that God knew you when you were being formed in your mother's womb, that God has more destiny and more purpose and more future for you than you could ever think or dream or imagine. I want to give you permission to dream again today. Listen, I know that inevitably we all feel this tension and it's really hard sometimes to pull ourselves out of this hole that we find ourselves in. And if I'm being honest, there was a time in my life not too long ago where I felt this exact thing that I'm talking about today. You see, uh, I made a joke earlier about Uh, the pandemic and when all that thing happened. But the reality is, is when the world shut down and we all locked down and the pandemic started, it was really easy for us who worked in the church world in our context, it was really easy for us to define purpose and meaning in our jobs and what we did because the need was everywhere, right? People were hopeless, they needed hope, they, they needed physical things, uh, they, they needed encouragement, whatever it was, and so it was real easy, and we all just kind of jumped in and we started making it happen and figuring out the online thing and how we're gonna actually bring church to people in their homes, and, and I just remember it was a crazy time, but also it was a time that we just kind of all did it together. And I remember feeling in that time, man, this is awesome. Like, yeah, it's bad what we're going through, but man, the church is stronger than ever before. Fast forward a couple months and we kind of came back into this new normal. And I know it's not 100% normal yet. It's more normal than ever before. But when we can kind of first started coming back as a society after the pandemic ended, I remember feeling the gap. I was doing everything. We had just opened up this facility here and I was working as the connections pastor and I was helping people get connected and doing all those things. You would think if anyone would have a life that meant something and would feel purpose and meaning in their life, it would be me. But I can just tell you, I did not feel that way. And it was really hard. 
so first I said, okay, I gotta beat this. And so what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna throw myself into my work. If I can achieve at a higher level, if I can be a better leader, if I can uh, be a better pastor, then maybe I'll feel better. And so I threw myself into my job. Maybe you can resonate with that today. You just thrown yourself into a distraction or your work or something to give yourself meaning or purpose. But I quickly discovered that wasn't it. And then I said, well, it must be a me problem. Like I've got issues in my life. And so I threw myself into learning more about me. I I took personality tests. I uh, asked people some hard questions and asked people to speak into my life and do all those things. And yeah, it was really healthy and it was good. And I learned a lot, but that didn't bring me the life of meaning and purpose that I was looking for. And I'm not gonna lie, like it got really hard. Like it was hard and I remember at my lowest point, I just feeling like, am I even supposed to be doing this anymore? Am I even supposed to be here? Which is crazy because I know that God so clearly spoke to me when I first felt called into ministry that I was supposed to be a pastor and be in church. But I remember feeling that feeling. And so what did I do? I remember we were going down to Cincinnati. It's where my wife's family is from. And uh, we just took a moment to get honest and I uh, kind of was vulnerable with her. It was really scary. You would think it would be easy to be vulnerable with your spouse. Sometimes that can be one of the hardest people to be vulnerable to. But I just got honest with her and I just told her, I said, Rebecca, I said, this is how I'm feeling. This is what I'm going through. Maybe today, if you're in a place where you're like, I don't know if my life has much purpose and meaning, maybe today your first step is to just tell someone. Just talk to someone about it. So I had a conversation with her and she was so great. She, she was so loving and, and she just listened to me. She, she heard me talk about it. And uh, I said, I need to make a change in my life. If something doesn't give, then I'm gonna burn out. I'm gonna flame out. And I don't know what's gonna happen to my life, but it's not gonna be pretty. It's not gonna be good. And so I said, I need to take some time and really get away so that I can hear the voice of God and I can hear what he's telling me to do with my life. And so what was birthed from that was this one week of my life that I call Vision Week, or as the staff affectionately likes to call it, Vision Quest, because I like all things Harry Potter and fantasy and things like that. And I took a week and I took a week off work and I said, okay, I'm going to I'm going to get away from my normal routine and rhythms and I'm going to go to a different place and maybe my perspective will change. And so I took three days and the first day I spent thinking about my spirit. I spent evaluating my personal relationship with Jesus. Maybe some of you today are sitting here and you've been following Jesus for 30 years and comfort and routine has set in and it's time for you to evaluate your relationship with Jesus. I evaluated that. And I realized that uh, Jesus had become that old blanket that I was just comfortable and familiar with. And actually I had fallen out of practice some of the very things that I've been talking about today. And I said, hey, I need to make a change. 
it's time for me to make a change. So what did I do? I, I spent time. I wrote out an entire weekly rhythm. I said no to some things I needed to say no to. I said yes to some things I needed to say yes to. And what I did is I created space and time in my life so that I can encounter Jesus each and every single day. And let me tell you, it's changed my perspective. So I spent time working on my spirit. I wrote some new rhythms out. I said, okay, what's a practice? What's an area of my life that I really need to, to remove some old habits and bring in some of these spiritual disciplines into my life? That's what I did. Day two, I spent time working on my soul. I spent time working on my mind and my emotions and said, what are some areas of my life that, that need to be scooped out? so that God can come in and fill those spaces. I started with asking myself, what are my, what are my motivations? Some of you are looking after a purpose and you're seeking a life of meaning, but it, it's been 10, 20 years since you actually sat down and said, what actually motivates me? That's a really good exercise, by the way, it's challenging. Like I sat down and I wrote it out, like what my motivation was, and then I erased it, and then I wrote it out again, and then I erased it, and then I wrote it out again. And it took me a while to dig deep to actually discover what my motivation was. But when I did, my eyes began to be opened. I, I wrote out my passions, I wrote out my giftings, and, and I wrote out what are some of my roadblocks, some, some of the things that are obstacles to my success or barriers to overcome. And then what I did, once I figured all that out, I began to sit down and I actually wrote out sentences of how that plays out in my life. So one of the things I wrote out and said, hey, I feel purpose and meaning in my life when I get to sit across from someone one-on-one -on -one and pour into them. And so then I began to seek out situations and begin to pray and ask God and say, God, would you bring people to my life that I would have the opportunity to pour into and invest in? And what do you know? God began to bring those people into my life. I began to see purpose. The last day I, I spent time working on my body. I think Christians can sometimes, we have this really bad idea when it comes to our bodies. Like, hey, like I'm gonna fly away to heaven one day and I'm gonna have a glorified body. But how many of you know you only have one life and in that life you only have one body and it can break down really, really easy. And so it's important to take care of this body, this side of heaven. It really is. Because you can only do as much as what your physical body actually allows you to accomplish. And if I'm being honest, there were areas of my life that I had let get out of whack. I, a couple years ago, I had gotten serious about getting healthy because I have a wife and now three kids and I lost a bunch of weight, but over the course of the pandemic, I had gained some of that back. And so I said, I need to make a change in the way that I eat. I had had surgery uh, a year ago on my knees and I had kind of halfway finished rehab, but I wasn't done yet. And so I said, I need to get intentional getting back into rehab. And since then, I've begun to diet, I've begun to do all sorts of things. Just in the last two weeks alone, I've lost 18 pounds just from what I began to do in my life. And I began to make changes. And I began to get intentional about how I was gonna live my life. And I can tell you, on the other side, I haven't figured it all out yet. I'm not perfect. I haven't worked it all out in my life, but the thing I was looking for, a life of purpose and meaning, I began to feel that again. And some of you today, you're, you're wondering, am I ever gonna feel that? Am I ever gonna experience what that is? 
And I just want to tell you that you can. But it starts with what you are choosing to do tomorrow. It starts with what you choose to do tomorrow. So maybe you're going to go from this place and you're going to talk to a mentor or a pastor in your life. And you're just going to sit down and you're going to have the same conversation that I had with my wife. Hey, this is how I feel. Can you give me some direction or vision for my life? If that's you, I would love to talk to you. I'll be out in the foyer. I'll tell you a little bit more about my week and what I did. It was life-changing. Some of us want to go 30, 50 years and never take a week like that, but you'll take weeks off for vacation, but we'll never take a week off to actually spend time and actually invest and pour into the future of our lives. It's so important. Maybe your next step is you got to deal with some of your past. I mentioned that your past can be a barrier to your future. And so today, maybe what you're going to do is you're going to go out to the next steps and you're going to grab one of the counselor lists. And you're going to begin to dig and explore and scoop out those things from your past. Or maybe some of you today, uh, you know you're one of those people who's struggling with an addiction. And every night, it's not just one drink, it's two drinks, it's three drinks. And today, you're going to get real and honest with yourself and say, I have a problem. And you're going to find some accountability in your life to help you move out of your problem. What is it? What is your next step? because I believe we all have one. We're all searching for this life, this life of meaning, this life of purpose. And it all starts with the choices that we make tomorrow. Listen, I hope that this has been helpful. I hope hearing a little bit about my week has been inspiring. I know it helped me so much in my life. Like I'm still working out my gap, but I know where I'm going now. I can see my future and I know where I'm going. Can I just have the opportunity to pray for you? Why don't you go ahead and stand? I'm going to close. And I just want to have a chance to, to pray for you in this moment. Listen, I think, I don't think, I know there's someone in this room who is feeling the same thing that I was feeling. They're, they're here today and they feel so far disconnected from the life that they thought that they would be leading with every head bowed and every eye closed, no one looking around. If that's you today and you feel those things, would you just maybe lift your hand into the air? I just want a chance to pray for you. If that's you today and you feel those things, would you just maybe lift your hand in the air? I see you. Hands up all over the room. It's something that we all feel. And so with your hand lifted high, maybe just as a sign of response to God, would you just allow me to pray over you and pray fresh vision and purpose over your life. Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus, Lord, I pray for each and every single person in this room whose hand is lifted high. Lord, I know that they are seeking after something. They're seeking after a life that means something. They're seeking after a life that has purpose. Lord, I pray that even as I'm praying and they're lifting their arms in a response to you, that you would begin to download fresh vision into their life. You begin to download purpose into their life. Lord, I pray against the distractions of the enemy. I pray against the things that would come to seek to steal them away. And I pray that they would have the ability to focus on you. And Lord, I just pray that as they begin to make changes, as they begin to take steps and they begin to make intentional choices about how they're going to live their life, that Lord, your purpose, your ways, what you have called them to do is going to become more apparent and more present in their life. And Lord, I pray that this would be a moment where they draw a line in the sand and they say, no more 
I'm going to seek after a life of purpose, and I'm going to live for you. Thanks so much for tuning in to this message. I hope that it encouraged you and inspired your faith. If God is doing something in your life, would you take a moment and let us know? We want to connect with you, and we want to be able to pray for you. All you have to do is shoot us an email to hello at the x.church, or you can always send us a DM on one of our social media platforms. And if you know somebody that would also be encouraged by this very message, why not take a moment and just share it with them right now? And as always, I want to say thank you to every single person who so generously financially supports this ministry so we can continue to get messages like these out to people all over the world. We believe God is building something special and you're a significant part of it. Until next time, have a great day.